0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Neil
1: Zacharias, and you're listening to eat for the planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. In this episode, I speak with Gene Bauer, president of Farm Sanctuary. You probably know Gene from his role in providing a safe haven for farm animals who were formerly abused in factory farms, but he's also a prominent food activist. Gene has spent the past 30 years promoting the idea that sustainable plant-based food can be the solution to issues of animal abuse, environmental pollution and human health problems. He has been hailed the conscience of the food movement by Time Magazine and was recognized by Oprah for his work in the space. In this interview, I get Gene's thoughts on the problems with our food system and how the plant-based food movement can be a solution. We also get into how we as individuals, whether meat eaters or vegans, can learn to eat in a way that aligns with our values and our interests. I'm here with Gene Bauer from Farm Sanctuary. Um, thanks so much, Gene, for being with us today. My pleasure, it's great to see you again. Yeah, great to see you too. So I'm gonna start with your long career in food activism. You've been a food activist now for over 30 years. And during that time frame, there's a lot of positive progress. There's a lot of change that you've probably witnessed Um, over that 30-year time frame. A lot of good things have happened, but there's obviously still a lot more to fight for. So I wanna start there. On the one hand, we have organic, natural, plant-based foods that are growing in popularity. But the United States still faces a health crisis, and that's largely tied to people's eating habits and their lifestyle choices. To make matters worse, parts of this country don't even have access to affordable, healthy food. And we're supposed to be the ones who are better off. On the other hand, if you look at the rest of the world, nearly a billion people don't have access to food at all and are suffering from malnutrition or very little food. The heart of this problem, you have the food system that we have today, which is the leading driver for greenhouse gas emissions, polluting our air, our water, harming wildlife, creating ocean dead zones, using up all our land, using up all our fresh water, and we're still struggling to feed the world. And I think what amazes me about this whole situation we're in is we as a species have figured out how to create cars that can drive themselves. We are on the brink of amazing break- breakthroughs on artificial intelligence, but we still don't seem to know how to grow and eat food in a way that sustains us and sustains the world around us. Or perhaps we know the answer, but the wheels of change are too slow. So I'll start at the highest level. What's going on here? What's what's the problem and what's your take on that? Oh man, well, we
2: for all of our existence have just tried to survive. And, you know, we talk about hunter and gatherer societies, although I think we were mainly gatherer, scavenger societies. I think today we like to perceive it differently, as if we had more power in a sense. And I think a lot of it ultimately boils down to the feeling of security and power and wanting to control nature and control things. And that often leads to problems because ultimately we are part of the planet and there are many things that are outside of our control and as we try to control things you know like crop yields um, and as we try to uh, control more resources producing more meat um, we have put ourselves on a treadmill that moves very fast and i think we've created a lot of imbalance in nature Also, in our own lives, also among societies, there's injustice and there's power dynamics that I think play a big role in our food system problems. Meat has historically been consumed by the wealthy who could control lots of resources. And so there's been this general tendency for human beings to want to eat more meat because I think it comes with this feeling of power and control. But ironically, eating meat the way we do is killing us. We're eating food that is clogging our arteries, causing us to die young, getting us dependent on heart medication and other chemical inputs in agriculture. And that's a part of this treadmill we're on. So I think we're now realizing how messed up our food system is. And, you know, it's been said it's darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things have to get very bad before they change. And so now you have wealthy nations like the U.S. where meat consumption has always been very strong as, you know, for the last decades anyway. And people are recognizing that this is doing us harm and there is now a movement towards more plant-based eating and vegan food. And the vegan food is seen as elite and expensive, which is kind of an ironic twist to the history. And at the same time, countries like china and india where the economic strength has been increasing meat consumption has been increasing despite the fact that in both china and india there's a strong history of plant-based eating Mm -hmm. so i think that we're at an interesting time now globally where communication is better than ever where mistakes that have been made can be learned from by others who have not yet made them and that When we have made mistakes about our food, we need to pay attention to that. One of the big challenges, though, is that you have industries that are profiting significantly from our current system, underwritten by U.S. Department of Agriculture programs and taxpayer subsidies that enable the production of corn and soybeans, for example, at below market cost for animal feed. So the marketplace does not reflect what's really happening. And that is a huge part of the problem and a huge part of our broken food system. Because if we were operating in a market that was efficient, where consumers were acting in their own interests with adequate information to make informed choices, we would see a massive shift. And I think it's happening a little bit here and there, but I also think that the industry that is profiting from the status quo has also upped their game and is marketing in more clever ways mm-hmm. and is also looking for export markets you know, beyond the U.S. to promote this same sort of commodity mass production factory farm food system. So we're at a very interesting time. And I think you have different pockets of awareness, different pockets of activity. And what gives me a lot of hope is how... The vegan movement is expanding beyond animal rights activists. There are many environmental advocates, there are businesses, there are restaurants, there are artistic chefs, there are creative people that are starting to pay attention. And seeing how food is a significant contributor to such enormous problems And it can also be a solution. And there are solutions that are starting to pop up now. And for me,
1: that is very hopeful. So you'd say the solution should be led by a change in consumer habits. Um, So you, you would recommend first people examine what's on their plate. And by doing so, they can potentially have a positive impact environmentally from a health standpoint, obviously benefit animals. But if you look at the food system as three components, consumers being one of them, the industry being, and I say industry broadly, it's growers to suppliers, package the ones who actually put the products on the shelves in Whole Foods and others, grocery stores. And then lastly, you have the government who is putting out policies whether it's the USDA or other rules that it may, in, in a way control this this agricultural system that that is not just prevalent in the US, but globally today. Where do you see the needle moving more toward a, a positive future? I know you mentioned there's consumer habits that are starting to change. Do you think it's fa- fast enough? And do you think the change in the industry is fast enough? And is it only within this pocket of plant based foods? Or is the meat industry recognizing it too? And and what are your, some some of the things you've noticed lately? I think a lot of the change started with
2: consumers making more mindful food choices and voting with their dollars in supporting businesses that were more responsible and I think that's why there are more and more restaurants now that serve plant-based dishes and vegan mission-driven companies have been formed to disrupt the animal agriculture system so I think the marketplace has really been where a lot of this has started. The big food businesses have been very close to the government and have enacted policies to enable the status quo to continue. That is what needs to be disrupted. And what is happening now in Washington, D.C., because U.S. consumers are starting to move away from animal foods, and if you look at the dairy industry, that's a really good example cow's milk is consumed less and less in this country and it's now being exported increasingly but you also have businesses in the U.S. that have invested in coconut milk and almond milk and soy milk and plant-based milks to replace cow's milk. I think that started with consumers but then businesses realized it was an opportunity. They jumped on it. They have profited from it and I think that These things also play off of each other. If consumers wanted plant-based milk and it wasn't available in the grocery store, it would be difficult to get access. So these things kind of play off of each other, but the consumer has played a big role. And when you step back and think about it, there are many things in this world that are outside of our control. But when it comes to what we decide to eat, That is something each of us has a lot of control over. It's a lot easier to choose to eat an apple instead of like a cheese stick Mm. than it is to change a law in Washington Mm. or to get a a big company to change its practices. But today we are seeing big companies like Tyson, for example, a huge company that sells a lot of animal products investing in Beyond Meat, which is a vegan, plant-based company that's mission-driven. You also see companies like Cargill, which is very much tied into animal agriculture, recently divesting of some of its beef operations and investing more into plant-based proteins. They've actually changed the Cargill meat division to be named Cargill protein division because they realize plant proteins are going to play a greater role in the future. Part of this is driven by a resource issue where you have a lot more efficiency when you're growing plant foods and eating those directly as opposed to growing plant foods and feeding them to animals and raising animals mm-hmm. so you can feed a lot more people on plant protein as opposed to animal protein that's one of the reasons it's being driven but another I think has to do with consumer awareness and and that is often driven by health concerns if people are eating food and getting sick or if their family member has to go on heart medication because they have a heart attack that gets their attention and they say, I don't want to have that problem. And as the US population has aged, I think heart disease has become much more obvious. There's been recent evidence of obesity and other significant problems in our nation's youth, which have also, I think, driven consumers to step back and say, hey, wait a second, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. I think Michelle Obama did an awful lot to raise awareness about the importance of eating fruits and vegetables, and the importance of school children eating better. So I think there's been a lot of awareness, but you also then need to have the infrastructure to support. And and that's where there's still, I think, a little bit of a a missing opportunity. Um, And I think you also have the status quo that wants to maintain the current way things are done uh, because change, you know, may mean a, a, a shifting of power and a shifting of profitabilities. And disruptions are frightening to those who are currently in a position to control a lot of things. And, uh, but things are changing. And many big companies that are part of big ag right now are investing in alternatives. I think it's because they realize that that's where the future is.
1: I'm going to just play devil's advocate now. So while I agree there's a lot of change uh, and a lot of momentum in the industry and in terms of products, new companies coming about with uh, healthier, definitely more sustainable, using less resources to produce, whether it's protein or milks that are not from animal sources. What are your thoughts on those that would say, well, what you're shifting from is one industrialized, processed food to potentially a new processed food versus meat or milk, which is quote-unquote real food. And that's purely from a health standpoint. The sustainability argument could be that there are ways to grow meat sustainably, to raise animals, to graze them, to, to manage the soil effectively instead of having synthetic pesticides and fertilizers leaching into the soil and into our oceans and, and, and waterways. There's ways to effectively manage that where the animals are cared for and the land is cared for and the resources are effectively managed to produce meat that is perhaps better nutritionally and perhaps better from, a, from an environmental standpoint. How would you address some of that and where do, how do we strike a balance?
2: yeah no it's an interesting area to explore and you know to me being vegan is not so much about an ingredient list as it is an aspiration to live as kindly as possible and a huge part of that is trying to create mutually beneficial relationships with other animals as well as with other people with the earth even with our own bodies to eat food that nourishes us doesn't make us sick for example So, as there's a movement towards more plant-based eating, you know, as you say, there's also a growth in processed alternatives to animal foods, you know, meatless meats that have all sorts of processed, you know, ingredients, for example, I'd say that that is less bad than eating animal products from slaughtered animals, but it's still not ideal. In the ideal scenario, I think we're talking about a much more diversified, localized food system that is integrated, community-oriented. So in urban areas, you could have rooftop gardens. There are also opportunities to take old buildings in urban areas and turn them into vertical gardens. Now that also requires some form of technology and certain non-natural inputs, you know, such as water with nutrients in it, but those could also potentially be produced by compost teas. Um, And I think one of our big problems is just scale, mass production. And when you talk about um, monocrops and industrial production of grains, that's usually for animal feed. So when you take that pressure away Uh, and and you don't need to produce so much grain to feed animals, you now have a lot more land to play with. And you could grow it in a way where you could actually let some of it go back into the soil. You could let wild animals get some of it. Um, And it creates a different kind of relationship where today the idea is to get as much profit per square foot as possible to one where... You recognize that part of this is giving back to the land, letting some of this acreage be plowed back under. Um, Organic farmers are now moving more towards cover crops, you know, which is again just a way to re-nourish the soil, regenerate the soil. Um, There's also assumptions we have about the need for animal manure to replenish the soil. That's a myth we don't need animal manure we could grow plant foods and use green manures from plant sources so a lot of the concerns people raise and opposition people have to the idea of a whole plant-based food system is based on beliefs Mm -hmm. and past practices but just because we've done something doesn't mean that we should continue to do it or even it's that it's the best thing to do it's just something that has worked for us at certain times but as human beings grow and evolve. And as we learn from our mistakes, hopefully, we can come up with other ways that make more sense. And at the end of the day, you know, I think most people have pretty much the same interests. We want to eat food that is nourishing. We want to live on a planet that's not being destroyed. We don't want to cause unnecessary harm. And all of this starts moving us in the same direction. How do we get there? There's a lot of different challenges around it. Um, But when you start eating plants directly, instead of growing and harvesting plants to support animal agriculture, you have a lot more land. Mm. And you can actually let some land be wild. You know, often one of the arguments made for grazing animals or ruminant animals for meat is that they can use certain areas where you can't grow crops. You know, they can use marginal lands, for example. But if you're using your cropland to grow plant crops for people to eat directly, you don't need to use marginal lands for food. You can let marginal lands be wild. And I think our planet could benefit from more wild space where we're not controlling every square acre of land. And when I've talked to agriculturalists over the years, they've said, well, what would you do with that land if you didn't graze cattle? And my response is, well, why do we need to do anything with it? Why can't we just let it be? You know, So it's this attitude and this sort of human entitlement and hubris that brings us to this place where it's all there for us to use. I think we need to shift that and say, we are part of this bigger picture. We are part of this cycle of life on the planet. And where do we fit in what is ultimately best for us and the planet
1: as a whole and i think it all leads us into the same direction one of the surprising things i agree with you i think one of the things that surprises and is sometimes disappointing is there's a lot that even those that would would criticize offering a plant-based diet or predominantly plant-based diet as a solution if you dig deeper like you're like you just did there's a lot that folks do agree on there's a lot of basic principles of agriculture that if you start to agree on, you can all come to a consensus of, okay, here's 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 a simple solution. Go vegan or eat predominantly plant based. But if you are indeed going to be involved in meat production for the foreseeable future, there's better ways to do that, not so much encouraging people to to do choose that as a sustainable option, but, but more, more having a conversation with the producers or the, the farmers themselves and the, to change the way they view their role in the current ecosystem till they reach the point when, and we can get into that as well, where meat's made in, um, in a, in a <laughs> lab. <laughs> yeah, lab and uh, they'll have to significantly reconsider their business model. You know, there's a lot of things right now that are at play
2: for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think among good food advocates, there's a lot of common ground. The idea, for example, of le- eating less animal foods, if not no animal foods. So the less animal foods is, I think most people would agree with that. More fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes. I think most people would agree with that. Um, except uh, the um, no grain people oh there's some no grain people okay yeah so so there's so many different ways to cut this and and then but there's also industrial agriculture Mm -hmm. who actually believes that the best way to feed the world is through intensive production intensive grain production and then livestock production their assumption is that meat is necessary for our health which is something that i completely disagree with and so among the good food advocates and the people that are looking at the environment and the health implications of our current food system i think there's a consensus that we need to eat fewer animal foods more plant foods essentially Um, but then then it comes down to how do we produce those and i think again a localized community-oriented food system makes a lot of sense and we see good signs of things like farmers markets being established in more and more communities and spreading. We see organic food consumption increasing and the organic food market has increased substantially year after year for a while. But one caution about that is that in some cases the organic standards are being pushed down to get more producers into the system. Mm -hmm. So there's this ongoing push and pull. There's a very strong consumer demand for organic. But there's also on the part of the producers, a desire to keep the standards low. Yeah. And so that's gonna be another push-pull that happens over time. And I think what's ultimately gonna happen is there's gonna be additional subcategories under organic where you have you know, higher quality, higher standards that consumers feel better about. And another thing that is happening is urban agriculture. Yeah. There's a food not lawns movement where people are tearing up their lawns and putting in vegetable gardens and can you imagine what it would be like for you know gardeners that work in suburban areas that right now they're fertilizing lawns and cutting lawns with their mowers instead they would be growing vegetables and each week there would be a box of vegetables for the homeowner Uh, and maybe even some additional produce that could be taken to the local farmers market or the community center or given out to people who especially need plant foods. There's um, a guy I know in Philadelphia who took an old warehouse downtown Philly that was abandoned, he's turned it into a a vertical garden. And in 36 square feet, he can grow as much produce as it takes an acre of land to grow. And he talks about green collar jobs in the city. Mm -hmm. And so there's these innovators that are coming up with very exciting ideas to feed people good food, affordably and also to provide opportunities for jobs and for businesses. And it's not only things, it's not only food, but it's also services. You know, in addition to um, providing plant foods and and other valuable products, there's opportunities for services, cooking classes, um, how to grow your own food, you know, so there's all kinds of entrepreneurial things that
1: are starting to pop up now around this issue. Yeah. And if you boil it down to a simple rule, just, you know, people want to take away at the end of the day. This is, this, we, we can, when you get into the, the, the details of a conversation around agriculture, it can seem overwhelming to an everyday person. Simple takeaways, and let me know if you agree, cut down or eliminate animal products, meat, and other animal products. Choose more whole plant-based foods. And to a certain extent, the alternatives do have a role to play. Because if you're cutting down and you're choosing whole plant-based foods, at least in a, as a transitional food, or even as an occasional, maybe that's what you're, you you want to have a nutrient-dense protein source. So maybe you want to have a veggie burger that's that's quote unquote processed, but is significantly better than, than choosing an, a factory farmed meat burger, which is about 50% of all beef produced tends to go into that. So would you say those are some basic rules that most people should agree on, even if you are a meat eater or
2: not? I would think so, yeah. And um, on top of that, I, I would, you know, besides eating more plant foods, fewer animal foods, Fewer processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, try to get as close to the source of the food as possible. You know, this is where going to farmers' markets, p- participating in community-supported agriculture programs, having a community garden, or growing your own food—that allows you to really connect. And this is really, I think, boils down to being responsible and connected, and living in a way that we are aware of, and ultimately we can feel good about. So. I agree with everything you said, and also this idea of just being more connected to our food, and and those things all go together. I think. I think everybody ultimately has to make their own choices, but I also do think we can sometimes get really caught up in small details, and at the end of the day, we can't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah. And it also, it's impossible to to live on this planet without causing any harm. You know, I don't think anybody is perfect. We're, we're all works in progress. So. Um, And everybody has to do what they can where they are. So if you can grow your own food and consume whole plants all the time, that's great. Mm -hmm. Not too many people can grow all their own food, though. So then you're in a situation where you are in transactions and you make choices and then you, you know, weigh the different pluses and minuses. And, you know, sometimes these processed meatless meats are very accessible and convenient. And there is something to be said for that. Uh, It's not ideal, but in some circumstances, it's a good thing to do compared to other alternatives. You know, to me, a lot of this also has to do with a direction a person is going, you know, and being mindful and just trying to do better. So if somebody adopts a habit, for example, of eating processed meatless meats seven days a week, Mm -hmm. that's better than eating meat from slaughtered animals, but it's not as good as eating more whole plant foods. So. You know, you take a step and then after that you maybe take another step. For me, I went vegan back in 1985 because I didn't want to support unnecessary harm to animals. But as time has gone, I'm also recognizing the human health benefits, the environmental benefits, the justice benefits, and this is one with the GMOs that I think is important because there's evidence that there may be some health problems associated with GMOs, but what to me is the most compelling issue is the control that GMOs bring to certain entities mm-hmm. and how others are disempowered as a result. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is also a justice issue. And so these around food, you have health, ethics, justice, so many uh, cuts at it. And something that might be considered to be bent good in one way has other downsides. So it's just a matter of looking at these things as holistically as possible and then ultimately at the end of the day we each need to make our own choices. But one of the things I always encourage is for people to make choices that are aligned with their own values because I think most people are humane and don't want to cause unnecessary harm. I think most people also want to support a food system that is good for the planet and good for others. So. And then also I encourage people to make choices that are aligned with their own interests. To eat food that is nourishing and supports their health, and to support a food system that doesn't destroy the planet. That's also in our interest. So if we kind of use those as broad principles to eat in alignment with our values and interests, I think we would see a massive shift in the food system. And for some people that may mean uh, eating processed foods more often, um, for others, it might be a whole foods, raw, vegan diet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't even know if that's the best, honestly. You know, so we're all works in progress. And each of us every day makes choices about our food that have profound impacts. And, and it's a very emotional thing, too. Sometimes we get really caught up in it. Um, but we can learn from those around us that, you know, food is a social issue. Um, I grew up eating meat because everybody around me was eating meat. When I learned I could live well without eating meat, I went vegan. And I think what's happening today is there are more and more vegans or people that are eating fewer animal products and producing amazing plant-based dishes. Other people are seeing that and going, it's not that hard. That tasted pretty good. I could do that. So we're social animals and we learn from those around us. So the more vegans there are, I think the more vegans there will be. And when people see their family or friends dying of heart attacks or having to go on medication at a young age, that also has an impact. And that's another reason I think things are moving away from our current food system. Um, But it's
1: not happening fast enough. When you boil it down to a starting point, it's quite easy. And then where people take it from there is sort of up to them. So there is no silver bullet. There is no single solution. But of course, if you keep those principles in, in, in mind, you're probably going to be down the right path um, and end up in the place where hopefully you want to be and where the world needs to be.
2: I think so. And it's a process. And it starts with individual steps. And that starts at the grocery store. You go down the meat aisle or do you go down the produce aisle? Mm-hmm. And what do you pick out and what do you purchase? Because whatever you purchase there is what you're going to probably eat at home. So just making those mindful choices with the idea that you want to live in a way that is aligned with your values and interests starts adding up. And we're also creatures of habit. So if we're used to doing something, changing overnight can be difficult. So changing incrementally and starting to substitute plant-based alternatives to commonly used meat products is oftentimes a very good way for people to transition towards living in a more compassionate, healthy way.
1: You may have the resources and you may live in, in New York City or LA or San Francisco where you can get access to restaurants and organic grocery stores and farmers markets and a whole bunch of things which is great and then you should make the best choice that's available to you within your budget. For sure, but I think part of the disc what gets lost in the discussion is meat alternatives, alternative proteins in general as a category, uh, especially plant-based ones, aren't just about people in the U.S. It's um, it's starting here, and of course, it'll first pick up some traction in this market. But if you're talking about feeding nine point six or seven billion people in 2050, and if as you pointed out earlier, in the developing world in China and India, they're consuming more meat. If this becomes a viable alternative to the factory farm meat that they're probably getting there now, then you're solving a global problem. This isn't just about you and meat. It is about we may choose the best thing that we can. We also have to think of the holistic, bigger picture of the of the planet and how we can create a system that is affordable for people in parts of the world that are shifting away from their traditional diets and the only alternative in front of them right now is whatever meat is there and available and they can afford
2: yeah no it's a lot of the changes happening in the world now are you know based on population pressure um, but also the human desire to control as much resource as possible and um, it's just part of one of the parts of humanity that's problematic I think you know where we need to have more and more and more and I think humility is a critically important human quality mm-hmm. that isn't prevalent enough and isn't really even spoken about as a, a virtue that often um, being a leader being strong being dominant those are the types of qualities that we tend to put way too much emphasis on in a positive way But those qualities um, and the behavior that comes from them and the attitudes that come from them create enormous harm. And at the end of the day, you know, we all share this planet and our behavior affects others. And as the population grows, there is going to be a lot of pressure on resources, especially when there's an increase in meat consumption globally. I think ultimately we're not going to have a choice. We're going to have to eat more plant foods. And as you say, some plant protein alternatives to animal products um, may play a big role. But just eating whole plant foods directly instead of processing them is ultimately more efficient. If you think about it, it takes time to process. And a lot of times processed foods are part of a bigger ecosystem in terms of the economy and the infrastructure that's in place And you have big companies that produce tons and tons of grain and inputs for food products, and they want to market those. And that's not terrible, but it's also not ideal. I think, ideally, you would have communities that were empowered to provide themselves with food instead of depending on some multinational company to bring in a product that's subsidized Uh, by export enhancement programs, which also then comes with political influence. So food is a massive issue. And to the extent that individuals can be empowered to eat food that nourishes them, that supports their community and their own interests and well-being, that's ultimately, I think, what we need to create. The infrastructure in place today doesn't exactly do that. I think when the fast food business and the commodity production took off in the US in the 20th century, there was not this idea that it was going to become this problem that we see today. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea was just to produce food because we need to feed people and people are moving to cities. So we need to do it more industrial yeah. on the farm. And, you know, I remember when. We first got our first tractor at Farm Sanctuary. I was pretty happy. I didn't have to be wheeling wheelbarrows anymore, you know. So I can see the benefit of technology, yeah. but it's gotten way too be way too gone way too far. And I think sometimes you have to learn from your mistake. You have to screw up to say, "Wait a second, yeah. we got to do it differently."
1: And I think we're at that time now. So I mean, mm-hmm. you spoke about Farm Sanctuary. I'd love to. Um Get a little into how that's changed over the last 30 years starting from your initial advocacy work setting up farm sanctuaries to some of the policy work you've also done over the past few years how has that evolved how's your role as a food activist in your 20s back in 1985 versus today you've you've had a front row seat and sometimes on stage itself, um, participating and witnessing this in, in a small way, people waking up to the ideas that you probably woke up to in 1985, and then starting to see the slow wheels of change turning. How, how do you, how's, how's that experience been for you? Firstly, that's the first part of the question. and The second is how has Farm Sanctuary as an organization transformed over the years? to keep up with the changing food, cultural, political environment.
2: Well, today is a good day for vegans. It's never been easier. There's more plant-based alternatives than ever before. And being vegan is not seen as, as crazy as it was back in 1985. But when Farm Sanctuary started, we began with the idea that we wanted to investigate farms, expose the cruelty, and we assumed if people saw it, they wouldn't want to support it. It's a pretty simplistic approach uh, and people are more complicated than that, but we started by investigating farms and we'd find living animals thrown in trash cans or thrown on piles of dead animals. So our sanctuaries actually grew out of our investigations. And then we started campaign work because it's impossible for any sanctuary to rescue all the animals. So we started trying to go upstream, pass laws to prevent some of the worst cruelties such as laws that made it illegal for downed animals, animals too sick to walk, to be left on piles of dead animals. Things as basic as that is what we were working on. Fast forward now 30 years, and you know we started as an all-volunteer organization that sold veggie hot dogs at Grateful Dead shows out of our Volkswagen van. Mm-hmm. Today, we have three farms, one in upstate New York, two in California, where the animals are able to live out their lives. We get thousands of visitors every year. We reach people through social media and I think that has become a very powerful tool. A lot of my time is spent on the road speaking with people about these issues and I am seeing a lot of enthusiasm for the idea of reforming our food system to be one that serves us well instead of one that causes so much harm to ourselves and to the planet. So for me, I started by doing investigations working on the farm, cutting hay, taking care of animals, doing some campaign work, doing legislative work, and have continued doing the campaign and legislative work. I'm not on the farm as often these days, other than when we have events there. Uh, But I'm out on the road talking to people, talking to policymakers, talking to business people, talking to grassroots activists, and seeing the change. And it's a very exciting time to be doing this work.
1: That's really great. And where you stand today, you're in 2017. What do you think the next 30 years of activism in the food space is going to look like? And where do you think people need to put in most of their energy to to ensure we don't A, repeat the mistakes of the past? Two, if we are at this point where we've figured out we've gone too far with, with mass production of food... Like we're mass producing another commodity to only find out that food depends on our land and air and our oceans and food is supposed to nourish and feed people. Yeah, so what do people need to be focused on to ensure the next 30 years are in the right direction, that we can course correct and now go to a path where we can finally grow and eat food in a way that we were maybe meant to be always yeah
2: well i think that's kind of it we want to go back to what we were meant to be always <laughs> and i think that means being closer to the land being more respectful of the land being more humble in terms of our place on this planet i think that the food system has become this mass multi-national corporate thing mm-hmm. that ties in businesses and governments and it's not something that's serving the majority of the people or causing the planet to do well either. So I think people are feeling that and realizing that. And when they shift and start eating food that is nourishing, it's very empowering. And so I think we need to have a more localized, community-oriented, connected food system where people know where their food comes from, in some cases grow it themselves, or know somebody who grew it. And it doesn't have to require nearly the amount of resources that our current system does. You know, going out to the backyard and picking an apple off the tree is pretty low cost. And even today, if you go into big cities, there are sometimes food forests now that are being put in place. I live near Washington DC and there are these mulberry trees there that have these fruits certain times of year So I'll just stop by and eat a bunch of this fruit, you know off these trees There are greens that are growing all around us that we're just not aware at this time that we can eat so it's just sort of this increasing awareness and Connection with the earth and the food that it provides us normally and then instead of Uh, You know going to the store to buy an apple we can actually maybe just go to the backyard to get the apple and that would be better for us It'd be healthier for us. It'd be cheaper. You know, I was talking to a guy named Ron Finley Who was a a food activist and he said whoever said that money didn't grow on trees Didn't know what they were talking about. That's (laughs) the dumbest thing anybody ever said because it does if we just pay attention to it And actually Apple is better than a dollar anyway
1: that's true. I love that. And so, so let's say thirty years from now, where do you if, if you're still fighting for food, which I'm sure you will be, and fighting for a better food system, no matter how f- much progress we make, what would be your definition of success? So I guess I'll end with that. If you could look ahead, you know, thirty years from now and be able to look back and say, the work I did amounted to something and we've achieved something. What would that picture look like? Well, I think right now we have a growth
2: of farm sanctuaries, which is good because those provide sanctuary refuge for animals that are abused in a horrible system. But ultimately, I would love to see many of those sanctuaries turned into farms that grow food. I would love to see more urban agriculture, more empowered citizens. And I could see this happening like at churches, for example, where it's common for there to be a garden at a church in the inner city and that people are having cooking classes after church and putting rice and beans together and learning from each other about how to live well. At the end of the day, animal abuse is a people problem. Animal agriculture is a human construction. So the solution also is in people and the choices we make about our food. So as we start eating better food, more plant foods, there's going to be a massive shift. There will be business opportunities, entrepreneurial opportunities to serve these growing needs. And um, so I think we would just see a lot more local food being grown, um, community oriented meals and food delivery and, pro- and production systems in place and a lot less health care costs mm-hmm. and more forests and a healthier planet
1: so there's definitely still hope
2: there's always got to be hope
1: well i love that well thanks so much gene this has been um i enjoyed this conversation thanks so much for taking the time from your busy schedule to be here and really appreciate you being so candid open and willing to to dive deep into some some pretty complicated issues and to find out that the solution is rather simple we We all can be the solution and we we have that choice multiple times the day when we eat and um, thanks to the great work you've been doing I'm sure more and more people are learning that and understanding that and and hopefully this this vision this idea you have of of a a more just a more compassionate more humane world 30 years from now will come to pass and um, I'm right there cheering you on Right on, man. Always
2: great to see you, Neil. And we're, we're all in this together, right? Who's against a more compassionate, just, healthy world?
1: You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Neil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.